it's Alana. And Jacqueline. And you're back for another episode of Black and Yellow. Hi, guys. Our world is falling apart. It sure is, honey. White privilege is destroying America. I mean... White privilege is killing America. Brett Kavanaugh at is the moment is really killing America, but at the the core, white privilege is 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 fucking with us all. Oh man, I think it's it's rooted and it's it's a it's a, it's a bad root. It is. I'm yeah, hoping that root. I'm hoping that we're at a point though where the world at large is like, oh, white privilege. It's real. I can see it. I can identify it. It's holding us back, and Absolutely. in order to really just get rid of it, you have to shock the system. Because white yeah. privilege isn't on its own going to go away. No, not at all. And I, I think you said it perfectly, the shocking, because there's these constant extreme movements, mm-hmm. which I don't necessarily think is healthy, but I think that is sort of the way that things just have to be exposed. You know, yeah. for every one extreme movement, there is another extreme movement, and it, this back and forth between the two is... I mean, it, it is what it is, but, but you know, the Me Too, the Women's March, these things with politics, mm-hmm. Trump being our freaking president. Like, that in itself is the right. most absurd extreme, like, ever. Definitely. Uh, but I also feel like at, at on a deeper level, like, white rich men have run this country. Since forever. Forever. And, and they all need that... to die. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to disagree with that. Yes, I think a lot of them need to die. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, But I think that we're at this point where we, as the United States, people who do not fit into that white, rich, privileged model are like, fuck it. I have had enough. People of color are stepping up being like, this is bullshit. I could do this better. Women are stepping up saying, I will not take the treatment that these men are are, uh, putting on us. I'm going to run for public office. I think that we have had a collective... Fuck, fuck this yeah. and we're going to change uh, it. I also think that the system is sort of fundamentally wrong mm-hmm. in the sense that it's a very outdated system and that it kind of yeah. needs to change. For sure. And I think people are ready for that change. Um, I think it's going to take a long time, but I think the fact that people are ready and they're speaking and they're willing and, you know, mo- any movement is movement, I like to call it. Whether it's, it's true. you're going backwards first before you go forward or it's going to get worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. But any sort of ruckus or sound or noise i think is you know beneficial in the long run right no i think it's gonna get way worse before it gets better but i do think it will get better yes i agree hopefully within our lifetime yeah i do wonder i wonder about the the history books in like 50 to 100 years like i wonder what the history books will say about this particular period of our american history Yeah, like are we because we didn't have too much of this. I mean, it kind of started when you and I were like in growing up, like the whole Clinton stuff, you know, the Bush administration. Like, I think these things slow. I mean, there was, but no, here's the thing it was way still corrupt, even all the other. Yeah, I, I was gonna so say, I'm I just, think every. I think every decade, decade. has its own load of. Yeah. of uh, infamous events that happen of of tragedies of of watershed moments of corruption like I think that every decade has those I'm just interested to know what our grandchildren's history books will say about the presidency of Donald Trump and all of the nonsense that went along with it like what is the story that is going to be told exactly yeah what what is the story that they are going to want to tell and how is it going to be told is also what I'm curious. I, I know I'll never yeah. find out. But like, I, who's going to yeah. write that story? I know. And I'm, how is it going to be told? That's fascinating. Never thought about that. 
Mm. Is wow. it going to be told in like full sentences or like <laughs> hashtags and emojis and memes Aster- and gifs? Asterisks and like, like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anywho, uh, if you haven't caught on, we're kind of doing a little bit of a a white privilege masterclass today. <laughs> Taught by Taught by a two black women and yellow. of color. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think with all of this Brett Kavanaugh nonsense happening, uh, Jack and I wanted to, it's such a meaty topic. So meaty. Such meaty subject matter. And we wanted to pick it apart in our unique ways. Way, yeah. So this will be a two-part episode. Definitely. The yeah. hearing, not the hearing, the, the voting happens on Saturday. Saturday. So we'll be doing a part two uh, to After, this episode. for the results and sort of, you know, more of what we want to say. Because I think there's a lot to say. There's a lot to dissect. There's a lot of what ifs and the buts and, you know, um, what happened and analyzing behavior and, like, mm-hmm. you know, attitude. and Yeah, I think this episode we're going to focus on Kavanaugh. We're yeah. going to focus on Brett Kavanaugh, his, his white male privilege, the invisible knapsack that he carries whether he realizes it or not and then part two will be obviously the outcome and then all of the gender politics we'll talk more in depth depth about dr blasey ford anita hill we'll touch on so forth clarence thomas things like that but this episode's all about brett Mm -hmm. or as if anyone watches i believe it was on cnn there was a letter that came out from his college college roommate college college days College days, okay. was uh, suspected of being the one to write it, and he signed off as Bart. And a lot of people are thinking, like, hmm, Bart? Like, a la Bart Simpson? But it was Uh a letter in which he basically said that him and his friends and housemates are, quote, what are they? Quote, obnoxious drunks and prolific pukers. And I, like, this is just another sort of layer layer that comes out uh, when, when dealing with Brett Kavanaugh. But how did he get here? Yeah, exactly. How did Brett Kavanaugh get to be a uh, uh, a man nominated uh, for a spot on the Supreme Court who seems to uh, have been a heavy and obnoxious drinker in his teenage years, uh, sexually abused not just Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, but other women have come forward. Mm-hmm. What are all of the parts of his male white privilege? Beyond that, too, there are people coming forward from his college days that, you know, have been there with him when he was drunk and violent and, you know, shouting obscenities and just being ridiculous while he was inebriated. And he only said beer like 45,000 times. Yeah, I think that he... He thinks that that would make him more relatable. I think that he thought he was on some sort of reality TV show. Oh, and my not that God. he was like on the stand yeah. interviewing for a job right. for one of the and, highest. And at one spots point, yeah, land. he was like, whoever was questioning him was like, he even responded, you know, like, Judge, do you like beer? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the heck is wrong with you? That's white privilege. That's male white yeah. privilege. Get but he fuck, could also be following like the Donald Trump model. Yeah, totally. And you I'm sure, I mean, I mean and, and it makes perfect sense why Donald Trump would pick him. You know, like it's just two hand in hand. Like, But now it seems know? like Trump is distancing himself. Yeah, because he fucked up. Trump does that, though. When Trump when Trump wants to distance himself, he'll backtrack without a problem. Yeah. Trump is all about saving his ass. Oh, as yeah. white males <laughs> with do. lots of privilege will do. Exactly. 
So let's start at the beginning. What is white privilege? We'll just start there. So white privilege is the societal privilege that benefits people whom society identifies as white in some countries beyond what is commonly experienced by non-white people under the same societal, social, political, or economic circumstances. Academy perspectives such as critical race theory and whiteness studies use the concept to analyze how racism and racialized societies affect the lives of white or non-white people. So in talking about white privilege, a name pops up quite often, and this name is Peggy McIntosh. Uh, if you've ever taken race classes in college, you would know her name because she writes about something called the invisible knapsack. Um, and it's a pretty widely circulated article or essay, I should say, that uh, college kids who are doing race studies will read. So according to Peggy McIntosh, whites in Western societies enjoy advantages that non-whites do not experience as, quote, an invisible package of unearned assets. That invisible package of unearned assets would be the invisible knapsack. White privilege denotes both obvious and less obvious passive advantages that white people may not recognize they have, which distinguishes it from overt bias or prejudice. These include cultural affirmations of one's own worth, presumed greater social status, and freedom to move, buy, work, play, and speak freely. The effects can be seen in professional, educational, and personal contexts. The concept of white privilege also implies the right to assume the universality of one's experiences. That's a really important thing to remember when talking about white privilege and when talking about the invisible knapsack. This idea that everyone else should just know that this is the experience that this person is entitled to have. Mm. Whether the person who is supposed to know this about said person has experienced those sorts of privileges or not. Right, right, right. Uh, the concept of white privilege also implies the right to assume the universality of one's own experiences, marking others as different or exceptional while perceiving one's self as normal. Oh so a good, ex a, a good example would be the beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like sort of normalizing, making that... The heavy drinking. Yeah. Th right. That that's normal or that that's okay. Or the idea that, like, everyone likes beer. Yeah. Like, don't you like beer? Because I believe right. he said that on trial. This he idea he that did. he, as a white man... Drinks beer. Drinks beer and likes beer. So shouldn't everyone else know that he likes beer and, right. be re and relate to the fact that he is a heavy beer drinker, as probably a lot of other Americans are, too? So he assumes. Right. Exactly. That's, that would be, like, an immediate example. Mm. I get very fired up when talking about the invisible knapsack. Yeah. Because it, it's such an important uh, concept to understand when you just when understanding race relations in America mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and preparing for this episode I was talking to my boyfriend who is a white male of a certain socioeconomic bracket and I was like hey tell me something about white privilege that I wouldn't know because I've never experienced it something yeah. that I wouldn't you know find in like one of these online articles and uh he he has a very distinctive walk. My boyfriend walks into a room as though he owns it. Uh -huh. He And it's just the way that he's always been. It's the way that he's always walked. And he said, you know the way I walk into a room? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I have never walked into any room and been told, excuse me, sir, you can't be here. 
That's mm. white privilege. That's the invisible knapsack. Right. Whereas I can name five or six experiences off the top of my head where I was stopped for being a black woman or maybe not having enough money or maybe not being of the right uh, religious background or maybe uh-huh. not being of the uh-huh. right social stratus and been told, excuse me, excuse me, you can't be here. Right. But like that is an example of I've never been profiled mm-hmm. in any situation I've been in. Mm. Thus, I am able to present to the world in such a way right. that denotes that I don't have to worry about being in a, in the situation that I'm in. Right, right, right. Because right. society has never told me that I can't be here sort right. of thing. Yeah. Um, Fascinating. But yeah, that article, I think I'll put it in the show notes because it's, I think it's something that everyone should read at least once. And I feel like any listener of this show just might want to know a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I think it's important. And I think it's almost, like you said, it's called, it's called invisible for a reason. Yeah. Um, because you don't even almost see it or feel it. It's mm-hmm. almost psychological until you're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait, wait a minute. What just happened? Like, yeah. it just went over my head. You yeah. Know? Like, and then looking back being like, oh, that's messed up. Yeah. Or, or you know, it's it could be something as simple. I remember when I was learning about the invisible knapsack, it could be something as simple as flesh colored band-aids. Like uh... flesh colored band-aids always bothered me <laughs> because they were never my flesh. And wow. I always knew that. I like little never... black girls always would like at least the ones that I knew would like put a little bit of foundation over the white just to have it blend so it's not like wow. a white ass band-aid on our black legs. Yeah. But explaining that to my white girlfriends, it was completely yeah. over their head. Yeah. For me, it was wanting to go buy toys and being like, yeah. wait a minute, mm-hmm. how come there isn't an Asian doll? Correct. And for a while, then it got better. There was a, a white doll and a black doll. But then, oh, yeah. And I still was like, Okay, but now you have black a black doll. That's great, but there are still no Asian dolls for me. I get you. And you want to know why I know about the black Barbie doll? Because my mom thought it was very important for me to play with Barbie dolls that looked like me. Right. So she would go the extra mile and find those black mm. Barbie dolls. Oh, mama. Which, oh, I mean, like, looking back, like, badass. Like, yeah. that's some Hell real yeah. shit my that mom, my mom did. My mom didn't even let me play with Barbies. Ah. She was like, look at them. They look like that. Got you went it. playing with that. And I like, of course, you know, we, we, I didn't know. But looking back, I think it made, helped me in the sense of like not associating myself with such a perfect looking thing already because of my social, cultural norms of wanting yeah. to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe that offsetted the wanting to be perfect a little later. Yeah. But I still got hit with that and I'm still struggling with that on a day-to-day basis. I get that. But, um, but yeah, I remember, there, I don't, is there, I mean, I'm sure there's some Asian Barbie now too. Oh, I'm but, sure. Yeah. But yeah, that like, I, I, the flesh band-aid, yeah, that's crazy. I never, the flesh colored band-aid. It was always a thing that yeah. I noticed because it, it slightly bothered my mom too. Yeah. So it was always something I was like Did your mom put foundation of. on top too? Uh, sometimes she would if she had the time. But okay. I remember as I got older, I would just like steal a couple pats of hers and just like cover it up. Because yeah. it was something that once she brought it up to my you attention. You can't unsee it. Right. And it was also something that was hard to explain because, I mean, if if you are a white woman and you're always wearing, and it, and, and the Band-Aid colors match your flesh. Well, you're not going to question it. Yeah, you're yeah, totally not totally. going to question it. Like, But that's a very small example of the invisible knapsack. Yeah, but we could okay. have a whole episode on the invisible knapsack. On bar- yeah. Oh, we have yes. We a whole episode. I've written papers about the thing that we just went on a tangent about. Um, Barbies. And it's super... It's an interesting. She's not even thing American. To talk about. She's, no, she's like s- actually like German. Something like that. She's European. 
Anyways, pulling it back <laughs> to uh, to Brad Kavanaugh. Thank you for listening to that tangent. Um, his white privilege started pretty young. Yeah. Did, I didn't, I don't know too much about his family history. Okay. So he is the son. So he grew up in a wealthy Washington suburb. There it is. <laughs> That's all you gotta say. Done next. His uh, dad spent three decades as a CEO of a trade association. Mm. So essentially he had the socioeconomic thing or the class thing going for him. There's the. The class benefit, uh, the socioeconomic benefit, uh-huh, uh-huh. the general status in his area. And then you've got the the Ivy League elite school factor as right. well. It's just, I don't think it's just, it's paved the way. Like, it's not even a question for them. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the road they're taking. Because everyone, oh, above, what you know what saying. I mean? It's the circle of friends. It's his connections. It's just. I see what you're saying. Yeah. The road is paved. There's yeah. there's no turning back. Definitely. And right. I mean, like, I think we all, to a certain degree, utilize our parents' connections in the best way yeah, that we can. Yeah, definitely. That's normal. Which I think is completely normal and totally human. And I smart. I think, yeah, if you have the, the resources, why not use them? Exactly. Um, he wasn't like a spectacular student just to be clear but um those elite schools and ivy league colleges they definitely either consciously or subconsciously seem to impart a message of you are special Mm -hmm. and you are different Mm -hmm. because let us not forget uh ivy league schools basically pat themselves on the back for being very difficult to get into yeah 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 definitely it's not like everybody and anybody can get into no way Yale or Harvard or even like the lowest of the low Ivy League Cornell like mm-hmm. not everyone's getting in Mm-mm. you could um, be you could be the perfect student and have the best grades and you still won't get in yeah and yeah. and his and Kavanaugh's educational background is essentially Georgetown prep which fed him into Yale College which fed him into Yale law which he said that he busted his tail I believe that's the quote. He busted tail Mm -hmm. to get into Yale and didn't have any help, even though his grandfather went to Yale undergrad. So that's like a little white lie. Yeah. But not any kind of white lie. That is a little white male privilege lie. Right. There's a difference. Exactly. To say that he busted his ass (laughs) to get in. I'm honestly... Like who? I think if you get into any kind of Ivy League school, the term "busting your ass" comes with it. That's not something we should even have to say. But you pointing out the fact that that is white privilege to say that was he not supposed to bust a- ass? Jesus. <laughs> was he not supposed to bust his tail? Was he just supposed to get in and smoothly and perfectly like maybe the others before him? You're making a great face right now. Don't, I, I, don't answer I don't, any of these questions. I, um, God, I, they're rhetorical. I could, but you know, like that and that's the invisible knapsack where most people would probably be like oh yeah oh yeah 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 wow great wow he busted his tail and it's like well duh like shouldn't he bust his tail to get into an ivy league school as most people do well but if you're with white male privilege exactly say on the surface yeah 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 jackie you're totally right but 
maybe in the back of their minds because their male white privilege is so deeply rooted. Right. They already knew they had the connections. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Totally. Absolutely. Maybe you have to work hard. Yeah, because I'm a woman and possibly because I'm Asian. Maybe I wouldn't have to work as hard if I was white. And there's also the model minority myth if we're like turning the example on you. It's like, well, you have to work hard. You're Asian. Well, there's statistics of like Asian students having better scores, better performance, better everything on paper. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Than the whatever white candidate was getting chosen, yeah. like for Stanford, and they'll pick the white person still to this day. Oh, of course. Yeah, like it. It's just it's so it's so mind blowing. Yeah, and I mean, like, let's just look at the classical root of the word privilege too. Prevost lex, and it means private law. So essentially, like, if you were of a certain social class, for example, like the French aristocracy got privileges if you were part of that social class and you like the privilege that you got was exemption from being taxed. Like you received privileges solely based on who you were, socioeconomics, class, like mm-hmm, those mm-hmm. are the privileges that you would receive even back in the day that still that still works today. Yeah, definitely. I mean the fact that Yale for a lot of people is like, oh my God, that's a really hard school to get into. Only certain kinds of people go there. That's what those schools want you to think. Mm -hmm. Those schools definitely make it known that like we are difficult to get into. We're super selective and not everyone can get in. And there's a lot of other hidden factors as Mm -hmm. to who gets in. Totally. A bunch of who gets in these Ivy Leagues, I'm sure is money. I'm sure. Money, who you know, you know, it's, it's, it's your uncle you grew up with. It's your mother best friend. How can you help to further the life of the Ivy League, i.e. how much money can you give us once your kid is gone? And a lot of times it's like, okay, maybe the kid really wasn't that bright, but but they have money and their parents donated, you know, $3 million and they have their name on the little plaque. Mm -hmm. And that's how you got in. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So it's like... The world is falling apart. But I also feel like in situations where you either consciously or unconsciously tell people you're special and you're different because you got into Yale. Mm -hmm. I think that also fosters a sense of rules don't apply to you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. These normal rules that average Americans have to follow. Oh, no, no, no. Those are for common people. Yeah. But we are extraordinary people because we got into Yale. And that was sort of the feeling that you got when he talked about getting into Yale Mm -hmm. while testifying. (sighs) He said that he got good grades. He played football and he went and he got into Yale as if that's the thing that this white man is telling us to focus on. Right. Don't focus on my drinking. Exactly. I will dictate what you focus but, on. That's but even part of his whole, But even when he's getting interviewed and his whole style of speaking about himself and how he grew up, about how he volunteered, how he went to church, and how he had friends and he hung out with friends. And that's what he did growing up. And it's like, no. Like, stop painting. That's like another thing where we expect them and we believe that they have lived this perfect life. Well, they want us to believe exactly. that. Exactly. And to a certain degree, I don't I don't know how much of it like fucks them up too, because how much of they how much of how much of themselves do they believe that they are so and so this perfect that as as a result of of their behavior that they have, you know, created or done in the past, like forgives them. Well, but that's part of white male privilege, right? Yeah, exactly. That all feeds into it. It's not that 
I believe that he believes that he is extraordinary, but he's also been put in these institutions that have backed him up. So yeah. is Donald Trump. Right. And brainwashed him. Yeah. That's a form of brainwashing. That what he does is okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. My notes are flying <laughs> across the table. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, when Senator Maisie Hirono asked Kavanaugh whether he was, quote, a sloppy drunk at Yale, his response was with disbelief. Quote, Senator, you are asking about college, question mark. I got into Yale Law School. That's the number one law school in the country. End quote. Subtext, only the good ones go to Yale. Right. Subtext. Only morally upstanding people right. go to Yale. Right. Subtext, you're not answering the question. Right. Subtext, because you were whatever she just said that you were. Right. You know? Right. Only people who respond with that such, like, oh, you know, we've all been there where someone says something. You're like, what do you mean? Like, are you kidding? Like, whatever. And then we, like, come up with something so, like, trying to dissuade them from the truth. But the truth is, according to a lot of people and yourself, by saying beer so many times, is that you were a drunk. And yeah. you did horrible things that you shouldn't have done. Yeah, but also... But it's okay because you went to Yale Law School. For sure. Yeah. And let's not deny the fact that a woman asked him this question. So there's also a a layer of, listen, lady, focus on this. I will dictate what you focus on, and it's going to be this and not that. That's the male privilege component. Men are higher than women, Mm -hmm. and I will tell you what Mm -hmm. you should be talking Mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's also talk about how Brett Kavanaugh has had the lowest approval ratings of almost all of them (laughs) since a long time and his own two home state senators didn't back him up well this hearing showed a different side of kavanaugh up until this hearing temperament was was never really an issue he was a peach yeah i mean he didn't really make ways he was very sort of vanilla yeah he was very white like on the scale of like you know wonder bread to Bread analogies. I love bread analogies. Uh, wonder bread to like or a wheat fucking race car driver. Okay, uh, meaning like a scale of whiteness. Oh, I see. Um, he was very much like the wonder bread, not exciting part of yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think he was playing his cards very right to get to where he wanted to get, and then this kind of blew up in his face. But isn't that sort of all? Isn't that all part of white male privilege? Oh uh, yeah. You know slash your politicians. Slash politicians. You know. You learn from an early age, especially from going through the, through that elite schooling system, who to make connections with and who not to. Yeah, I just and don't you work them for what they I are. I think now there are more and more people are calling the bullshit and are getting caught and are coming forward and are speaking up. This sort of thing is gonna be like, oh, another one. Oh, like I, I feel like right. that's how I foresee the future of like, here's another politician. All this, the scandal came like another one, another one, another one. You know what I mean? Right. And it just people just aren't going to believe in them slash care slash even vote. You know? I hope. Well, I think people will vote. I hope so. But I think people will vote because I think no matter how this turns out, whether he gets appointed or not, I think mm. you're going to piss off one side. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? If he yeah. gets appointed, you're going to piss off the Democrats. If he doesn't get appointed, you're going to piss off the Republicans. And I think that either way, the the side that loses, quote unquote, mm-hmm. is going to be the side that shows up in droves during the midterms. Yeah. Like, and I mean, there are a lot of people already. Um, uh, what do you call that? Um they have like pickets, like what do you campaigning? Campaigning and oh, there's a lot of people protesting. Mm-hmm. A ton of people all over the world already, or at least in America, protesting his nomination. You know, yeah, from for the sure. start. 
for sure. And I mean, among his supporters, there is this sense that he that his that his uh, perhaps maybe place on the Supreme Court is well deserved. There are people behind Brett Kavanaugh that believe that he has worked hard to get to where he is. Uh, <laughs> Republicans believe that he has worked hard <laughs> to get to where he is. It's well deserved. And that that feeling sort of mirrors I'm sure a feeling that has been instilled in him since childhood. Mm-hmm. When you grow up around that much privilege, around that much wealth and that high of a social class, there's this idea that you too deserve to be there and yeah. no place lower. Right. Why? Because we've built up yes. ourselves and, yeah. and your essential That's foundation for you to then grow from. So you deserve to be up here. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And I'm sure part of him knows that he you know, already owns a seat. Like, he just, you know, right. just has to, like, write in. Right. And now he's going through this, but, you know, that's probably because maybe he doesn't. And there is know? social science to back up the fact that uh, highly privileged people like him are more prone to sort of break the rules and tweak the rules mm-hmm. to get themselves to where they want to be mm-hmm. and believe that they are deserving of these small breaks. Yeah, and 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 I think I also think like he's been in this for a long time. Yeah. You know, he um helped the, you know, was part of the Bush administration. He helped him, you know, with the whole recounting of the votes. Like he's been in it long enough right. to know the game that he has to play. Oh, for sure. And the face that he has to put on. Right. And and his speeches and the way he chooses his words and the way, you know, it's very tactical. Everything has a specific intention behind it. Definitely. You know? Oh, for sure. Uh the cut has a great article about the, his entitled rage. It's called the entitlement, the entitled rage of Brett Kavanaugh. And um, there's a great paragraph that I just want to like highlight because I think it, it sort of drives home a really great point about how elites feel as though when you are part of an elite class, you deserve to be there and nowhere lower. So it says this presumption that elites are elite because they deserve to be is something more pernicious that the self mythology of the successful is an alternate reality. A high-walled fortress that preserves and protects the false correlation between status and good character. And worse, establishes an authority intolerant of dissent. No one who doesn't live inside is allowed to criticize those who do. Mm. And all who do live there are bound by a kind of frat boy omtera not to. This is not too far from the world you have bishops who protect against abusing priests and moguls who regard starlets as entitlements. I mean, and I think that there's a lot of truth to that. There was a sense of watching Brett Kavanaugh when he was being questioned, this idea of, I didn't do this. I'm innocent. The people who should really be on trial are you people who yeah. dare. How to dare think you? That I. Yeah. Am capable of You've such ruined my life actions. and my family's life. Right. Yeah. Like, how dare you? And you also see that with Donald Trump, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like when I was watching the hearing, I was, there was this, like, inner, I just was so disgusted by his privilege mm-hmm. and his authority to say, how dare you guys? Like, I felt so disgusted and and mad and angry. And I was going through so many emotions of, like, they're all like that. 
you know? Yeah, and I don't think that you would be degree. alone in thinking that. I, I think a lot of people would agree with you on that one. Yeah. And if you, like, and to ha- to say then, and then the audacity to say what a perfect human being, what a perfect civilian you've been, right. just counters that and makes me even more, like, hate them even more. Well, know? yeah, because there is this idea of, of Brett Kavanaugh. I do, in a way... He doesn't know any different. No, he. Uh, perfect. You know what I mean? You, like you let him I'm not to standing the perfect up for him, point. Yeah. but he doesn't know any different. Right. That is white privilege functioning. Yeah. This is the way it's been all my life, and this is the way that you are supposed to believe right. that it should be. Yeah, exactly. I drink beer. Don't you drink beer? Yeah. Right. Don't we all drink beer? I got, you should know right. that I have worked so hard to get to where I am that I am entitled to right. a couple of brewskis at yeah. the end of the day. Right. I can get blackout drunk and potentially sexually assault women. Don't you know that that's okay because of how hard I've worked after college? Right. Like, you know, stuff like that that is just, it's not going to, like, it can't, I can't fly. Like, that just cannot. And Now, one person could, I could hear someone saying, but what about his commitment to public service? Because that is essentially what Supreme Court justice is. And my answer would be, he's not doing that no. be, out of the goodness of his that's heart. Also, that's for life. You're set for life after that. Yeah, he's doing that because he believes that he is better than the average person. He yeah. believes he is extraordinary and special. Yeah. And only someone who is high like him mm-hmm should be able to do that job. Right. Not a commoner, no. not a poor person. No, not anyone of of, of race or ethnicity, of diversity. Right. Like, I don't know. And that just makes me, you know, really question, like, this circle of whiteness. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, they don't know what they don't know. That's what I'm saying. They just all need to die. <laughs> um, but also, like, the whole system is just rigged. It's rigged for them. It's rigged against, not necessarily against, but it's just, it's for them. The system is for them and it'll continue being for them if no one does anything about it. Well, I think that we're at a turning point where where that's changing. Because I think that people are seeing that. Yeah. Um, But that takes time. Like change like that and a a serious undoing like that takes time. Mm -hmm. Because white privilege is never going to change. White privilege spans generations. For hundreds of years, that's how it's been. Definitely. So think of of how long it's been that way. And then let's think think of how long it has to be for that to not be anymore. Right. Right. So if it's like two to three hundred years of this kind of system... It might even take double that for it to complete, you know, like, mm-hmm. shit, girl. Yeah. No, I hear you. Damn, I got to live till I'm like 675. That's not, You don't want to live that long. <laughs> you don't want to live that long. Your quality of life is not going to be that long at that age. I need a vampire to bite me. <laughs> no offense. Where you I know at, you're Edward? in like great shape and you are naturally set and you eat really clean. No, but yeah, like at right. 600 plus, girl, it, life will not be pleasant. It just won't. I'm good. I <laughs> I won't. Maybe I'll be like reincarnated into a bug and then Maybe. I'll find out. Oh. Come back. Why don't you tell me? Any I'll tell you. Um, the Chicago Tribune has a great column that I couldn't stop reading in prep for this particular episode because um, I couldn't understand the kinds of lies that Brett Kavanaugh was See, telling. But to him, it's a truth. Right. Right. Or to him, it's a lie that he is entitled to tell because he feels like these lies are real. Or, no, or, no or well, like, no, but they're little white lies that stand in the way. 
privileged people like him feel like they are allowed to massage the truth in order to propel themselves yes. forward. And yes. a, a way of doing that are telling, quote, white lies that don't, quote, hurt anybody, but are also lies that that person deems are not relevant mm-hmm to achieving the goal he's trying to achieve. Right. And then I also question those like polygraph, those like detection. Like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Too. How how much of how how much of those machines are like do they really? Right. You know, like, like I am with it. I get yeah, you. Yeah. Um this article in the Shahara Tribune, it's by Rex Hubkey and it's called Brett Kavanaugh didn't quote lie. He just told some little white male privilege lies. And I was like, "Yes." I understand, but I don't. And so here's what he says. He is also a white man in a great position of power, characteristics that entitle him to a certain number of lies that don't count. I thought everybody knew these permissible lies, but apparently not. They're called little white male privilege lies and are defined as lies about things a powerful white man deems small or unimportant, told to avoid hurting the same powerful white man's ambitions. When I read that, I was like, the, yeah. those are the kind Boom. of lies that Trump tells, mm-hmm. that Mueller told, yeah. that he, that yeah. Kavanaugh's telling. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah, those yeah. are those kinds of lies. Mm-hmm. And I could never figure out why, like, a guy like Kavanaugh didn't think of those as lies. And right. it's because he doesn't deem them important. It's not right. about the untruth that's being told. It's about their level of importance and, and are they a priority when yeah, trying to achieve a goal. and the morality behind it. And you know, like... Yeah psychologically in the brain like if someone really doesn't like you could take a lie and if someone really believes in that mm-hmm. to them it really doesn't feel like a lie well yeah if you say something enough times yeah, the you, brain will start to believe that it's true exactly. you are totally right and if you've lived a life that way yeah you know by you saying these little white privileged so-called lies it doesn't really feel far off from the life you've lived so why would it be you know why would it be a big deal no yeah definitely and i think um I have just so many thoughts. Uh, It's the sort of lie that he tells to downplay the drinking that we obviously knew he did. Mm -hmm. But it's also his his ego and his privilege that's not going to allow him to withdraw from this. He's not going to give up. Mm -mm. That's the white male privilege speaking. When he furnished that calendar Mm -hmm. with all of his 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 events from back in the day. Yeah. That was another example of, or that was evidence, I should say, of his white privilege. Because it's like, I'm telling you what I did. Yeah. I just wrote you my I history. I am a great person because right. I write down all the events that happened. And, and, and let's get real. I do believe there are people out there <sighs> that believe that they are going to be special. Right. And that believe that they are truly and extraordinary. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there is nothing wrong with that. And, and I believe that those people exist and that they mark calendars and they keep track of of their life growing up i don't believe that's brett kavanaugh i don't either i think that is again a white male privilege thing of we're white men and we're rich and people believe us Mm -hmm. so you just write your own history right and people are going to believe it right and i think when you saw him on the stand cracking and crying which p.s I think one person who hated seeing him cry on the bench was Donald fucking Trump. Mm-hmm. I don't think Donald Trump plays that game. No. But I digress. Uh, the idea that we don't believe the history that he has provided us and we have the audacity. We, we are the bad ones. Yeah, it's us. Is again his white privilege at play. And I think it's dangerous when someone writes their own history. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's really dangerous. It's also like, it's also a sign of like... 
you know, of, of someone who's maybe kind of possibly insane. And ah. because they have, they, they, they don't, what am I trying to say? You know, people who are so possibly, yeah, like insane, they have to prove to themselves that they're doing the right thing. I see what you're saying. You know? I see what like, you're saying. Because they know that deep down inside in a really dark place, they're not. Right. Yeah, I mean. You know, it's like, it's like, it's it's almost like, I almost like, like investigating like criminals, you know, oh, like for sure. to, to that level of, of specificity and that level of like insanity. But see, I would bet that Brett Kavanaugh doesn't think he's not well. Like, I would bet that. But that's insane people. <laughs> No one who's insane or in denial I'm not going to argue with you there. Say that that are, are like, yeah, yeah, I'm insane. No, they're <laughs> like, true. I'm good. Like serial killers, it's true. mass yeah. murderers, mass rapists. They mm-hmm. all thought they were doing the right thing. Doesn't he? He thinks he's doing the right thing. Uh, he, he does think he's doing the yeah, right thing, and so he's insane. And he thinks that dragging his family through the mud like this with the FBI on your ass is like a smart idea. Oh God, yeah, that FBI investigation. It's like a, just so, you know. Well, it's it's we'll find out on Saturday. Yeah, can we just talk a little bit about fraternities? Well, I guess let's. Um, because that seems to be like a thing. Yep. Of rich white men who seem to sexually assault women. It mm-hmm. seems like they they go to Ivy League schools. They join fraternities, which. I personally have never been a fraternity fan. Never. I think frats are a breeding ground for rape culture. Mm-hmm. Like, across the board, I just don't... Mm-hmm. I don't revere frats, and mm-hmm. I, I I, just think that they're evil places. Yeah, I mean, I associate it with... not. I mean, I'm sure there are a couple out there that are really true and honest and real, but for the majority, I've also associated them with, you know, a lot of alcohol and shenanigans and hooligans and yeah. anygans. For sure, for sure. Um, Seamus Khan explains in the Washington Post that this sort of white male privilege is filtered through America's rape culture. And it's, I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. This idea that, A, the actions of a, a young teenager or college kid, how dare they play into someone's adult career? Yeah. That's only something that a person of privilege. Yeah specifically a white man would say right like oh yeah like you're asking me about high school it's like so like you're still the same person yeah you know you 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 what you did you know still says a lot about you but also we're supposed to pardon horny white rich drunk guys right we are supposed to give them a pass i completely believe dr blasey ford unequivocally because i believe that brett kavanaugh is the kind of person who would drunkenly hop on top of a girl thinking that is the conquest that i want and i am taking it fuck whatever she has to say about Mm -hmm. it if she screams i will cover her mouth because she's not allowed to speak yeah i think and we are taught to just laugh at horny white boys as Mm -hmm. funny and comical Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but when it comes to horny black boys they are oversexed monsters yeah they're villains they're villains and they need to be controlled and asian men don't even like (laughs) they're the ones who get raped like you know don't even go there asian men we're not even supposed to acknowledge their sexual right right they can't be horny no do they even know what horny is right exactly For sure. Mexican men, oh, they just procreate. They're baby makers. Yeah. We should take them seriously. We should maybe just watch out for the black ones and the brown ones. We don't want them overpopulated. But white horny guys, 
So it's all fun and games. Yeah, it's all good. Let's just give them a pass. It's ridiculous. I hate that. Yeah. I like, know. I don't understand why we need to not allow that to Mm-mm. be a thing no. anymore. No. That is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, I just got super fired up. But yeah, I, I do think that white male privilege is ruining this country and mm-hmm. we are seeing the effects of it right now yeah. in real time. Well, also, too, because it, but I think the truth is that the white male privilege has been ruining the country, has been corrupted for so long, and only now are things really starting to reveal themselves mm-hmm. in every area politics, media, right. everywhere. You see Harvey Weinstein this year, the whole, you know, like it's just, but I think this is like a tiny slice of the whole pie. Right. Um, so, you know, obviously we're talking about this because it's important and because it's, you know, what we stand for. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, it, it's important to, to really speak up and speak out. And, yeah. and, and you know, I'm sure people are, oh, yeah, this whole, you know, the, the, the writing on the Instagram or those who, like, just do it. Like, mm-hmm. who, because the more you do it, someone else might see it and someone else might feel, you know, um, confident enough after seeing what you wrote, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I think the more, the merrier. Yes, it's extreme. Yeah. But it has to be extreme. It has because to. Because what, what that world is, is extreme. Right. There's no way that they can keep getting away with this. And, you know, uh, Deborah Ramirez, who also... Um, uh, you know, has accused him. Oh of, yeah, she was an yeah, accuser. Yeah, she yeah. said that there were at these parties. There was these lines outside of the bathroom, mm-hmm. waiting for these men to take to take to, for their next turn with the girl in the bathroom. Like how? That's just not okay. Like that. That is just not okay. And that's you know? male privilege. And that's male privilege. You know, like a hundred percent. Yeah. I think it was interesting to watch Brett break down and cry on while testifying. Um, <laughs> white male privilege. At its core for me is like screaming at your future coworkers mm-hmm. as they question you, mm-hmm. breaking down and crying in an interview, right? Arguing with with the people that are questioning you, yeah. but then expecting that the white men sitting before you are going to empathize with you and and have your back. Yeah, but he's like he's a child. He's a freaking child. Well, definitely, and he's I, using every tactic. To get what he wants. He's using it all. I don't know if I would think that crying was a tactic. I think that the crying was the mask, that white male privilege mask, crumbling. Mm. Because I think for the first time, I think what we witnessed, this is just me, watching him break down and cry was a combination of I got caught and like, I I can't fuck my way out of this. Like, I got caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, But also, the idea that his white privilege has worked for him his entire life. Right. It has bailed him out of the stickiest life situations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It has always benefited And him. now it's getting him into the worst possible yeah. situation and he could have ever imagined. And here is a situation where your white male privilege, privilege? ain't helping your yeah, ass. Like, yeah. it's not coming to your aid. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. That's And I think that the mask is falling off. I think it is crumbling. And I think that anyone who watches, any white male that watches Brett Kavanaugh in that testimony should now just think twice about how they wield their white privilege. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. (sighs) Anyways, yeah. That being said. Saturday is the big day. Yes. And we will all be waiting anxiously for the outcome. Which I hope is 
Not. <laughs> I hope he doesn't get appointed, but favorable. I'm afraid for what happens in our society if he doesn't. I feel like he, I feel like if he does get appointed, everything that happened, all those taxpayers' monies mm-hmm. that ran. All that monies, all the that, pennies. <laughs> that went to run that hearing for 12, 13, 14 freaking hours, you know. Is it, refunded? It's, I hope so. Um. Yeah, I, I hope he doesn't because then it just allows every. I mean, freaking, let's, I mean, I'm, we're going to talk about Anita Hill, but still, 1991 to 2018, it's still happening. Yeah, not much has changed. Not much has changed, exactly. So I hope he doesn't get appointed because it's just not okay. I get it. It's not. That's my, that's, I'm going to leave you guys with this. Yeah, we'll leave you guys with that. Jack yeah. and I are fired up. I know, we're sweating. We are sweating a lot. <laughs> um, We will be back next week for part two. We'll talk yes. about the the uh the verdict we will talk about dr blasey ford we'll touch on clarence thomas and anita hill uh-huh and the results mm-hmm. we'll talk about you know the gender side of it right. um, more of our take on things of course um we hope you guys enjoy or got stimulated by this one somehow yeah. i don't know if you enjoyed it or if you whatever but you know let us know your thoughts comments concerns if you want to hear more of this if you want a part three you know we're more than happy yeah this world is fucking crazy y'all just yeah. love just, yeah just give love right and just be good people. just be good to people yeah. and see them for their humanity and that we're all just human mm-hmm. you know we're not black or white or yellow but yeah, we before, are we are but before that we're humans we're humans this episode was produced by Christian Humes over at Zeitheist. Ooh. Find us on the gram if you want to give us comments, questions, concerns at Black and Yellow Podcast, or you can hit us up individually. I am Alana Webster at Renegade of Fun. I'm Jacqueline Chung Young on the gram. We are also on the gram. You just said that. <laughs> we are on the gram, yeah. <laughs> um, on Black and Yellow Podcast. Yeah. Yep. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye.